ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the Evening Jones. Um, there was something I was going to tell you about, and now I just simply cannot think of it. I try to like regale you with the stories of my life, but again, we're all kind of dealing with the same situation, right? Which is, oh, what am I going to tell you? Oh, okay, this is what I was going to tell you, which I notice as I look at myself like in the return feed and see me doing something that I have not done in years, which is like twisting my hair. Look at all that hair. See that? I understand that some of y'all are going to be listening to this on the podcast. Did you see this? Y'all didn't even know this was possible, did you? You ain't think I could do that. I can do that now. Uh-huh. Dope, ain't it? It's dope. Yeah. I've been doing this for like a couple months now. And, you know, I originally... Um, began to grow this long, luxurious hair. Um, like when we thought this quarantine wasn't gonna last very long or whatever, and I was like, okay, well, I can like grow this out and it turned into like you know, looking like Clyde Drexler at some various points. But clearly, we all underestimated how long we was gonna be like under this quarantine, and so now I have been growing hair for. Two and a half months. I think the last time I shaved my hair was March the 9th. So, yeah, like two and a half months. And I I actually forgot, like, some of y'all don't really understand, like, how the going bald thing works. Like, some of y'all probably think I ain't really capable of doing nothing at all. But I got to tell you, man, I don't come back loud and proud, long and strong, baby. Hair wool, skin of copper. You know what I mean? Like, 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 I'm enjoying this. I am running my fingers through my hair right now. It feels great. I haven't been in a position to do this in many years. You know, adulthood and changes in style necessitated that, as my father put it once, you are officially too old to wear your eccentricity on top of your head. Um, and so, like, we used to do all the we, we we had a little run there in the late '90s and the early 2000s. Well, we was doing all kind of stuff with our hair. We was getting twists. You know what I'm saying? You know, of course, all your various kind of braids and the likes. You know, like that was what we that, that was what we did at the time. And my daddy told me I was too old to wear my eccentricity on top of my head. And I said, oh, OK. And so then we moved into the world. You know what I'm saying? Um, and then I just had a little betrayal at the front. Uh, not everybody was dedicated to the cause as others. It's really disappointing when that happens, when everybody else seems to be in lockstep. And look at this, man. Like, they still want to be great. You see that? I feel like you can. You see that? They still want to be They still want to be great. You know? But just not everybody wants to participate. So anyway, that's kind of what I got going. And I actually think, for those of you who are curious to see what this thing has turned into, I think I'm going to let you see it sooner rather than later. And the reason that I think I'm going to let you see it sooner rather than later is, I'm going to be honest with you, I was watching some television today. I will not tell you what channel. I will not tell you what time. I will just tell you that at some point I was watching some television and I saw somebody and realized that, like, what I got, this dude be out here rocking every day. Like, it ain't no quarantine special with him. Like, that's just the life he lives. And, like, could I have been that free in my truth? 
That's the question I need to ask myself. Rather than going into surrender mode um, shortly before turning 33, should I have gotten aggressive and just tried to take the whole thing out? You know what I'm saying? And just like claim that as my look, claim that as my style. Like my man over here saying some are loud and proud with the cul-de-sac. See, I'm not even like in full cul-de-sac mode yet. I'm not in that point in my journey. I just got some lazy soldiers right here at the front. Like I've been sitting in here and I've been thinking about this and I'm like, is my hairline at a place where if I so decided in this quarantine to grow uh, dreadlocks, would I have a hairline that could sustain that? Like, could I get the dreadlocks to grow forward in such a way that you do not consider like what all you understand what I'm saying? Like that's what I'm wondering. And see, like like my man saying to Jerry Rice, no, no, no. See, Jerry Rice, yeah, yeah, yeah. See, that was see Jerry Rice's problem was Jerry Rice is going backwards. But I need I, I'm trying to impart this upon you. And see, this is how I'm gonna actually like wind up showing you what I've been working on before I'm prepared to. I'm not in the place that Jerry Rice was when Jerry Rice was doing all those absurd things, having an NFL, having a midlife crisis in the goddamn NFL. This is not, this is not that, right? I don't, I'm not in, I'm not in the place that he's in. Yeah, like Ginobili, I'm not there. I'm in a much better place than those people. I had just gotten to a place where I was on television too much and I was going to replace Mike Tirico as the gold standard for give it up, bro. Like Tirico held on to the point where like it wasn't even holding on no more. Like it was just over and it was just like, oh, okay, like that's just what happens. I'm not there. I promise you. I'm not in that zone. I, I mean, I'm actually, if I'm going to be honest with you, I'm a little disappointed that I'm not in that zone. Like I wanted to grow this out and turn it into something comical so that y'all could enjoy yourselves and get a few chuckles off, right? I was really doing this for y'all. Like, I mean, some of y'all are under the impression that I might find it difficult to laugh at myself, and I was going to present myself to you as something to be laughed at. But you know what happened? It ain't even really turned out to be that funny because even in these times, I ain't no goddamn joke. <laughs> You like how that spun around? You like all the directions that we did? Just came around there. I ain't no goddamn joke. Yeah, that's right. But no, but for real, man, peep this, peep this. You see this? You see this? Told y'all I could do it. Told y'all. You're going to like it. Like, like you're going to, you're going to, we're going to be a little bit surprised, you know, when this thing happened. I got to decide, like, I, what I got to figure out, and this is what I don't know about my current situation, what I got to figure out is like, is it still growing longer? Like, is this as long as it's going to go at this point in my life? I honestly have no idea. This is uncharted terrain for me. You know, I went to surrender mode a while ago. Uh, so if, if I feel like I've gotten to a point where it just ain't going to get no longer, then I'm going to show it to you. But as long as I feel like I can keep adding to it and enjoying this, let me have this, right? Once this quarantine is over and there really ain't no defense for you to be looking like you don't give a fuck no more, I ain't going to have no more hair-growing opportunities. Like, this is it. This is it. Like, like, at some point, I guess I need to shave my beard. Like, I, you know me, I do beard season, I do goatee season. 
Um, I'm a little tired of the beard, but I can't get rid of the beard while I'm out here up here. You know what I'm saying? Like doing this ridiculousness under this hat. The beard has to stick around. You know what I'm saying? Like it's, it all goes together in that sort of way. But I look better than I thought I would. In case you were curious. By the way, I've seen a lot of y'all, man. A lot of y'all before they started opening up or anything else. Way too many fresh headlines out here, man. Come on, man. Come on, man. Come on, man. Anyway, let us move on to your questions. Ah, this is a good way to put this. Question. Was that black bird watcher dude also a Karen? All right. I want to take a moment while I can to talk about this discussion about whether the term Karen is a slur. And I guess the thing is, and this is what I don't like have a great answer for. And I think that this is something that should be broadly considered, which is, I feel like the general heading of slur is a little bit too broad, right? And so this is what I mean when I say that that heading is a little bit too broad. If I say racial slur, what's the first one that you think of? Obviously, it is like the the, the, the N-word, right? Like that's the one. But we got like a general acceptance and understanding of the reality that that is like the super far extreme in things. And so I think that we have like a general understanding that slurs are like not a good thing. But I don't know like where the line is at which point something like begins to be a slur. I don't know like when it happens. Like, for example, I am asking about the term cracker. I am not calling anyone a cracker. Is cracker a slur? And I ask that in part because you can go on to Wikipedia and you can pull up a page for the Florida crackers and apparently like it is a subdivision of rich white people, right? So like, I'm not saying it's cool to be out here calling people crackers. I'm just trying to figure out like where the line is where I'm supposed to like really care. Does that make sense? Because I will say like, if I find out that somebody called a white person a cracker, like I'm gonna need to know some more before somebody's got to lose their job. Like that standing alone probably not going to do it and that standard i think goes like across like i think i mean i don't think i'm the only person who uh looks at it kind of sort of as such anyway i bring that up to say this i did a a, a zoom call with a friend the other day um it was him and his kinfolk and they was talking about uh, the the situation with the woman in Central Park. And I'm here to tell you, 
while I struggle with these technical definitions and I just gave you this kind of existential consideration about what is and is not a slur. I heard them using Karen on that call. And let me tell you, that sounded like a slur. There was no love in that. It was not at all jovial. This was not an attempt to be clever or just to use literary device. These were fed up people calling names. Like that is that is that is where care it is with them. Again, the line of which I'm supposed to care. It's a tricky discussion. Not exactly sure. Whether or not care it is a slur, it felt very settled. Like very, very subtle. It did. Anyway, I want to start on this with one thing that I understand that some people are probably going to find a bit unpopular uh, when I bring it up. I normally don't preface things like that, but I mean, I guess I do understand that that's going to happen. And I think it's a separate discussion from the larger discussion, but I do think that it is like something to think of in watching it. There is clearly something not right uh with that woman like i do not believe after watching that video that black men are the only people that make her go on tilt like that's just not that's not the feeling that i got um from watching that like i don't get the feeling that if you were to go do the follow-up with the people who've known her forever and at work and they ain't really gonna talk to you about how stoic she is and everything else and then she went to a whole nother place um, in that circumstance. Like I saw something where they tried to contact her after the fact. And I think somebody got the call and said that she wasn't well at the moment. And I, that, I mean, as much as that might've sounded like an excuse for watching that video, that also didn't sound like terribly implausible. And now, I mean, since then, even if she was like a okay all the way, except for her racism at that point, she don't lost her job. They don't took her dog away from her. And she can't go to Central Park. All right. And one thing that you got to think about, if she's at Central Park with her dog like that, I'm having to assume that she lives near Central Park. And living near Central Park will hit you for some bread. A big reason for living near Central Park, of course, is so that you can go to Central Park. All right. Now, I'm going to say this. I think there's room to be as angry as many people are at watching that video and what it brought out of them, the personal experiences and all of those things, right? But, like, did they ban her from Central Park for life? Because if so, I have to tell you, I find that to be a bit excessive. Like, for life? Come on, man. That's ridiculous. You have to acknowledge that's ridiculous. I understand that some of you are in a place where, like, you don't care if something ridiculous happens to this woman or whatever. Okay, I got you on that. But I feel like we can all acknowledge that that is ridiculous. Like, right there, ridiculous. Of course, she was ridiculous, too. Like, that's the thing is that I'm going to call the police. And then she called the police and was like, there's an African-American gentleman that's you know approaching me and look for all the problems that everybody has with her making that phone call like all that's self-evident like i don't want anybody to think i'm making excuses for this woman but there ain't really nothing for me to say about her that the world hasn't said that i don't think is transparently obvious i think it's worth pointing out though that as like ridiculous as it was that she said african-american gentleman because she like 
there's people on the other end of that phone that she's sending that message to. Like she wasn't just guessing. Like, I wonder if this will work on the police. That was like, that was an educated guess if it was. And that's the wild part about the totality of all of this, right? Like in the world that you'd like to live in, this woman calls the police and says, there's an African-American gentleman and he is threatening me. And all that matters is the gentleman part or man or whatever she said. All that part matters is the man part. And then they show up, right? Like the disturbing part of it is the idea that the cops would hear the first part and be like, oh, hold up. That means it's serious. Like that, that part is extra super duper whack. But I just, it was just wild. Like, I mean, forget about what happened before the tape anything else uh like and the dog because let us not forget we're here because of the dog like if all she done is call the cops on a black person no 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 ain't all of this swift action across the board taking place we are here because of the dog i i mean and i don't know what all the dog ownership rules are either by the way but i did feel like taking her dog is a little bit excessive too like yo you got to be honest man she probably really going through it right now. She lost her job. They took her dog. She can't go to the park no more. And it's a pandemic. Like, I do hope y'all, like, I feel like y'all should be satisfied. If, if, if you wanted that woman to suffer, the mission has been accomplished. Like, people write songs about stuff like this. You gonna go up to the you gonna go walk by her room and uh, walk by her apartment and you go here playing out the stereo, sitting by an open fireplace in my favorite dungarees. It gonna be right there, man. <laughs> I'm so all alone. When are you coming back home? Because I love your brand day. Yeah, man. And so this is my thing. Uh, well, I got a few things on this. Um, one of them is I saw something interesting that uh, some white ladies showed up on the Twitter when they showed the bird watching dude. You know, because we, we wound up in one of these things, right, where he turned out to be like the perfect victim. Like he went to Harvard or something like that, and he just likes looking at birds. And then his picture got out. And, you know, and this, this gets to all like the performative social media stuff where they're just like, you know, you, you know all the stuff. Like, I don't even feel like like needing to recount it and everything else. But he was like a perfectly respectable victim um, in a circumstance like this. So anyway, so then some white ladies came up and they were on there talking about, yo, if he tried to talk to me in the park, I'd try to get his phone number. And then when that happened, I saw all the tweets about the, fetishization and the exotification of black men and how long this has gone on and this turned into an, an, into like a long ass dialogue on this and I'm like will you let that man capitalize on this please like I don't know him personally and I don't necessarily want to feel like I'm making stereotypes about this dude or just I'm just saying this I have not seen anything to lead me to believe that he is nearly as offended by being exotified by them white women with blue checks as y'all are for him. Oh, it says that he's gay? All right. I still don't think he mind. I still don't. I don't like that. Like, once I saw that happen, I was like, 
I have watched. I watched Aaron Hernandez get exotified after we found out that he killed all those people. I feel like we had another version of some kind of killer convict, not the dude that got out, but like a dude that went in. Like this happens. Like I'm mean, like everybody just on edge. Like everybody looking for something to jump on. But that one, that 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 one did. I'm sorry, man. Let the, let, let let them shoot their shot in that particular moment. That's that's we got that. I have to say, though, when I saw that he was the perfectly respectable victim, I do have to admit that there was a part of me that asked within himself. I wonder if he was wearing his Ivy League sweatshirt. I saw that on the tweets where you had the people after, uh, what's his name? Aubrey uh, got killed in Georgia. And they're talking about how they wear their like Harvard Law sweatshirts to jog to let everybody know that it's okay. And I'm like, oh, 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 I'm sorry. You thought that was going to work? Like, I don't know if you guys realize, but your classmates take those same sweatshirts down to the Goodwill, and you could be one of them. <laughs> like, you really thought that was going to be a thing. Let me tell you a story. I think I've told this story before, but it's happened many years ago. It's actually like eight years ago now. I was in Durham. And this is like right after the Trayvon Martin thing, right? And I think it was a day where like everybody was putting their pictures up in hoodies and all of that stuff when I used to engage in that sort of thing. Um, but I didn't, uh, I didn't have a hoodie on for that reason. It was rainy and it was like, like, like gloomy, like misty, rainy, you know, darkish early. And I went to my favorite little breakfast spot in Durham over on Ninth Street. And so I come out and. I guess I either left the car door open or left the lights on. But anyway, my battery was dead. Okay, so my battery's dead. I go like across the parking lot. I'm trying to find somebody with cables because I didn't have cables. So I'm just hoping anybody can maybe help me. And so I see this white man. And he's walking with what I presume to be his adopted daughter. Like it was a very small, like a five-year-old brown girl um yeah like like brown but not like latino brown like south asian brown yeah and so i say to him excuse me excuse me and buddy i I can't even say he looked at me because i don't like he looked up at some point but he just says to me i'm sorry i don't have any money and i'm like what and I'm like, yo, man, I was just coming to ask. He was like, well, what is that? I was like, I just, I got chuckled it off. I was like, you thought I was going to ask you for some money? And I said, uh, no, nah, I was just going to ask if you had some cables, man. Like, I chuckled it off at that point. If you had jumper cables. And he said, uh, nah, he didn't have no jumper cables. I'm sure he had jumper cables, but he told me he didn't have jumper cables. And I said, whatever. And I remember two things. One, I remember that um, I had on this sweatshirt. It was an NYU sweatshirt. And it's a sweatshirt that NYU gave me when I came up there to speak. Which is like tied to this story. Because I'm like, you think your fancy sweatshirt going to save you? All right. Like, it just happened to be what I was wearing that day. 
Um, there's that one thing. The other thing I remember, this is kind of early in my professional journey, at least after, you know, took some turns. And I remember thinking to myself that when he said, you don't have any money and he said, I don't have any, he said he didn't have any cables. I actually wanted to tell him, well, how about this? How about you give me a ride? It's Wells Fargo right up there on the corner. You can take me over there. Um, I'll go inside. I'll come back. And then I'll just buy this car off you right now. Since mine don't run, I can have two cars now. Like I actually could have done that before I like started to invest my money properly. I had it in a readily available account. I could have bought that shit right off of him. Anyway, I say all that to say your sweatshirt is not going to save you. And I say in part to say, yo, is there anybody that like saw that video and thought it was ridiculous, but somehow didn't get like really mad about it? And I ask that because people seem to be like really, really affected by these things. Like a dude wrote this really emotional um, op-ed in the New York Times about like microaggressions and all of this stuff. You may have seen that. And I just read it and I've seen a lot of these reactions and I'm like, yo, like, you know, this didn't happen to you, right? And which is not to say that there's not a larger consciousness that's to be had and that there's no concern to be had for like the general state of affairs. But, like, I can't ride the roller coaster every single time this happens. Like, yeah, it's a problem. We need white folks to stop calling the police over nonsense. And you know what my thought is about how we need white folks to stop calling the police over nonsense? Here's my thing about it, man. What do white folks swear up and down? That they love the police, right? And they respect the police and how hard their job is and how much respect we owe them because of the danger they put themselves in and all them and, and, and all those things, right? You know what I mean? Right, right. Like, this is what they... How do you reconcile that belief? But you be calling them about some bullshit. Like, like if you know that their lives are so difficult and you know that their work is so hard and they have so many things they have to focus on and so much stress that they got to deal with, why you be calling them over some nonsense? Like that to me is not the way that you show the respect for the police that everybody swear up and down to me, you and everybody else is supposed to have. Right. That you do not show them respect by calling them in. Over some nonsense. That's all I'm saying. Like, if, if if the rhetoric that you hear from people all the time about how difficult the police job is, if you like if they really believe that, then you don't call the police for stuff like this. Because you would feel like they too busy for that. Like, that's my thought. You wouldn't, you wouldn't dis you would not be smirch their hard work and everything else. By doing that, if you really believed everything that you talk about, about how important they are and the respect and the veneration that they deserve, you wouldn't call them over like something like that in the park because somebody asked you a question or somebody barbecuing out here or whatever it is. Like, let me ask you, this is a serious question. You think the cops feel like coming out for stuff like that? Like, like yeah, and, and look, I totally get it w- without question. Like, you never know. It could take a turn. You don't know what cop shows up so forth and so on. Like, it's, it's an eminently risky proposition. 100% correct, right? Like, I understand, like, the core and the root of the problem and why that disturbs people because it disturbs me also, right? My question about doing a roller coaster is just about, like, taking on all these things as though they're also happening to me. They actually are not happening to me. I have concern for them, not be, I mean, for obvious reasons, but I can't, this can't be like no like water for chocolate type stuff. Does that make sense? I guess that's the thing that I'm saying there. But, the hypocrisy of all of this just shines all the way through in this idea that you'll just call them up for this. 
They don't want to do this. You know, like, yeah, there's the bad cop that you don't want to get under these circumstances and everything else. But I'm talking about basically all the rest of them. They doing whatever it is they got to do. They got to come out here and do this. And I have said this on this show many, many times. I will say it again. It's a generalization I feel very confident in making. And I ain't had nobody question me on it. And I don't know how many cops I got that be listening to my work. I have no idea, right? I got some cops that's fan. I've met a couple. They was all right. You know what I mean? Um, but there's two things that I feel very confident saying that the police do not like. Two of them. They don't like running. And they don't like paperwork. And uh, if you want to, like, put those two under one, like, larger heading, they do not like it when you waste their time. They hate it. The problem is, you the one calling the cops on some nonsense. They not going to take it out on you, person who called and made this into something that it wasn't. But the question was, was that bird watcher dude also, as is being the parlance now, a Karen? And I do have to say, the I'm going to grab my phone reflex is just not something I have in that way. I don't know how I would react in a circumstance. Well, actually, no, I know how I react. Maybe I would take out the camera, but like, it's highly unlikely I'm going to post it online. I'm not a, like, I ain't no regular person, man. Like it means something different. If it's me, I don't feel like going through all of that. Just so, so y'all can see it. And maybe, maybe this one person gets fired. Like that ain't, that ain't doing the job for me. Not necessarily judging you. I ain't doing the job for me, but that is of like, Low grade, hey, you know, he did like go holler at her about a dog not being on the leash, which I mean, I guess he a bird watcher and that's a thing that affects the birds or whatever it is. I don't kick it like that, so I don't have an answer for that. But like if some white person walked up to you, you and your dog was over there minding your own minding their own business, and some white person walked up to you and said, put that dog on a leash because uh it's birds over here. How quick is somebody responding? Why don't you go talk to these other people whose dogs ain't on leashes? You telling me you can't see that scenario? Because I could absolutely 100% see that scenario. And that is why Keenan's question about whether the bird watcher was also a care, low-key brilliant. Guys, I got to tell you, considering I was like asleep like 50 minutes ago, I feel like I am giving you guys one hell of a show. Appreciate the question. See what else you got here. Haven't heard your input on Minneapolis. Thoughts? Jared Hawkins, I feel like you have followed me for many years. I could be mistaken. I believe you and I even have the same birthday if you are the person on Twitter I believe that you are. Feel free to uh, correct me if that is not true. Um, because if that is you, I find it highly disappointing that you hit me with thoughts. Lance said, I don't like them thoughts questions. It ain't a question. That's why I don't like it. It's thoughts. I got my jukebox. Nah, Jared, you're different than the person I thought you were. My bad. 
So you know, I hate thoughts. Anyway, what do you want me to say? I can ask that as a serious question. There's like nothing really profound here. I got I got not a lot for you that is obvious. That is not obvious. I will do this, though. And I guess this is somewhat sportsy, but not really. Um, but I'm going to throw this out here. And I think it's something for people to consider. All right. So I remember a few years ago. Well, okay, I can take it back a little bit farther. We are not really a religious group, the Joneses, and we did not go to church when I was growing up or anything like that. Um, but about 15 years ago, somewhere in there, my mother uh, started going to church again, um, and she's very much so into it. It's a real big thing for her. It does good things for Um, But, you know, as a result, you know, she occasionally does like, you know, churchy things. And one of them is she knows somebody that I got a like fairly longstanding uh, disagreement with. And I remember she sent me a letter. And I recall it having a Bible verse and I don't remember the Bible verse, but it was basically making the point that. To forgive is to free yourself that you do not forgive people so as to let them off of some hook or something like that. You forgive to free yourself of the burden of the energy and everything else that it takes for you to not forgive. You know, like overall, I think that people's like you think about with kids, for example, Kids forgive easy, right? Like our natural tendency is to forgive until we reach a point kind of where we feel like that kind of thing is exploited. And then we start reserving our forgiveness for those whom we deem uh, deserving, Um, particularly if it's people that we have to deal with in some sort of like iteration. We have to deal with it over and over again. Like for me, the thing about forgiveness is whether you do it or not or whatever it is, you got to be in a place where, at least for me, if this person has hurt me, can this person, like, there's a level of trust that's not going to be back there. And so if I can get back that trust, then maybe we talking about something different. And, you know, and I admit that on my end, I think that the notions and ideas of forgiveness are often very tied to that. Like, am I going to have to deal with you again? If I ain't going to have to deal with you again, I can pretty much forgive you for anything. You know, like if all I'm going to have to do is see you for like five minutes here and there from down the line, I I myself can pretty much just let anything ride at that point because that energy is bad for you. You know, it just it just doesn't feel good. Um, I've never heard anybody, you know, even if people like gravitate toward this state because it feels comfortable. You don't ever really find nobody that's that's angry and happy about it. Like how often do anger and happiness exist in the same space? You know, like, it's just not really how it works. And so I mentioned that because uh, Michael Porter Jr., who plays for the Nuggets, um, he sent a tweet earlier, and I want to read it exactly, um, like, word for word. And it said, 
as much as you pray for George, George's family, got to also pray for the police officers who are involved in this evil. As hard as, as hard as it is, pray for them instead of hate them. Pray that God changes their hearts. And that kind of sounds like something Dr. King would say. And it's interesting because, and I don't really mean that as hyperbole. Like that legitimately is like, according to his philosophy, as I've read it at various points and the way that he looked at things, that is absolutely in line with something that a man who believed as King believed would say. In fact, that's kind of the bedrock and the foundation of the whole civil rights movement, right? Like, it is all built on this idea. Like Stokely Carmichael said about King after he was killed that he didn't say this exactly, but basically the most like amazing part of it is the idea that King was the only black man who loved white people enough to try to save them. And they killed him too. But like, but that's, that's where that radical revolutionary man comes from is from a place like this. And so Michael Porter Jr., who's like, what, 21 years old or something like that? He sends out this tweet and everybody's telling him, nah, this ain't it. Nah, this ain't it. Nah, this ain't it. And I ask this sincerely, like, of you Christians, it, isn't he saying what y'all claim y'all want to be? And, you know, it's a tricky thing because black folks are so often asked to forgive. And boy, Porter didn't even say anything about forgiveness. He said to pray that the evil leaves these people's hearts. Now, look, I am not a praying person. I don't think that I'm going to go pray for anything in this world. And it happened because I did so. Like, so no, I don't think you're going to pray the evil out of their hearts. But that's me. Y'all do believe that stuff. Like, y'all do believe that you can pray. And that as a result, perhaps a couple of things break right, whatever it is. And I'm not saying this judgmentally of you. I'm saying this really as a statement of fact. You do believe that prayer matters. You do believe that prayer is effective. Why is this like, I, I guess I get why. Like people are so dismissive of this cat in a time like this. But I think it's something very interesting about people is it's not enough that you mad, but you're going to require this man be mad. When being mad ain't doing nothing good for you. Like if he is able to shake off the anger and the things that come along with this stuff. And I don't know his background and politics in that way or anything. I'm just so maybe I could be wrong here. But if he is able to shake off these awful things that so many people are feeling right now by tapping into the love in his own heart. Why would you be mad at him for that? Like what would your beef with him be? About that, because, again, as I understand it, what he said is what y'all claim y'all want to be. By the way, the evil can leave these dudes hearts while they also like go to jail. <laughs> like like Michael Porter praying for the evil to leave their hearts is not him saying that that's the only thing that's going to happen. Like once you pray, they go get a checkup. Go to the cardiologist, see if the evil's still in there. And then if it's gone, they go live their lives. Like, that ain't what the dude's saying. But I also get where people are coming from, man. People are angry and people are tired and people feel exhausted. You know? Like, I understand all of those things where folks are coming from um, in these positions. But, like, when it comes to something like these police officers, like, if somebody asked me on Twitter, 
and was like, do I forgive the police officers? I'm like, what am I forgiving them for? Like, there are levels on which these things are about all of us, but there are also levels on which these things are not about us as individuals. And like, we are observers. Even if we can personally relate for whatever reason to what is specifically going on. But like when the dude uh, in Dallas, Botham uh, Jane, when uh, his brother forgave that woman. If that's what they want to do, it is amazing that they could rise to the place to do that. Or his mother, whoever, whoever was there. But if they could rise to the place to do that, that's amazing for them. Right. And people like, they I don't forgive them. Who, who for what? Like, I personally am not in the forgiveness business of everything that happens. I'm not. I'm not there. Like, I just I don't feel like like I feel like that there's a certain self-absorption that comes from all of us when we are trying to determine whether or not we forgive somebody for sin that was not committed upon us. Like we are talking about general transgressions, but these are not our transgressions individually. It's not. And so I did find it interesting seeing that happen with Porter as it did. Because people are angry. And when you see people get to this place with this anger. While you're in while you're angry. And this is, this is the worst part about anger. While you're angry, you don't want to let it go. While you're angry is what you got to hold on to. You don't want to let it go while you got it, even though you know it's bad for you. You don't. And I think that people in our society are generally taught that forgiveness is what you should do and to release this anger. And I think people ideally would like to let go of this anger and they cannot. And so to be told in any form to let it go when they want to and cannot, I think makes people anxious. And it's kind of like, don't you think I'm trying, you know, but nah, I just, let's protect yourselves. And I don't mean protect yourselves in like a walking on the street sort of way. I mean, protect yourselves in the things that you consume, protect yourselves in the ways that you consume them. Because look, man, these internet streets, let me tell you something. Did you see this thing um, that came up a couple of days ago about Jimmy Fallon doing Chris Rock in blackface? And it like started trending on Twitter and everything else. So how many of you watched the sketch? Because I went and watched the sketch. And I came away... With two observations, well, one observation mainly about the sketch. Jimmy Fallon does like an incredible Chris Rock. Like it was dead on. I fully understand why they rolled the dice on that segment and I full on that sketch. And I fully understand why it was 20 years later before anybody cared about it. Like it probably wasn't worth the risk. But this was not. It, it wasn't. It wasn't Al Jolson, you know what I mean? Like that's just not. That, that's just not what it was. And again, he did a really good Chris Rock. Like he was not doing some random impression of a black person. He was doing Chris Rock. I mean, nailed it. But anyway, and somebody said, "Why is the black face needed?" That is a fair question. 
right? But again, I do not think that the performance was intended to, nor did it make a joke of blackness and black people. Anyway, I was reading this uh, post on some publication about the Jimmy Fallon thing, and they were talking about how there were all these tweets about it and how it had begun to trend and all this stuff, right? So I read through the, the post, and I looked at all the tweets that were there that they put in. And it had to be seven or eight. Like, it was not a small number. It had to be about seven or eight. Of those eight, seven of them were accounts with fewer than 100 followers. And when I say fewer than 100 followers, it was definitely way more that had like 12 followers than it was those that had 87. Like these, these accounts, they were all started within like a few months or something like that. There was no conversation that was going on. This felt entirely manufactured. And the people who then write about it are not even like considering the fact that this is manufactured and they're doubling down on it. And now this thing is like replicating at an exponential pay, exponential rate. And then what happens is they on the internet talking and they is probably only like seven people, but they becomes everybody on the internet. Like every, like that's what it turns into at that point. And that's why I'm saying to protect yourselves, man, because this stuff in these images, these ain't doing good things for people. Like constantly consuming all of this stuff in the ways that people are. They're not doing good things for people. They're just not. Like I look at what happened in Minneapolis and it's awful. But like I don't really need to dive deep into it. If there's a trial, perhaps I'll follow it. Because the truth is, I could ride and die with that thing at every moment and every twist and turn that happens with that case. And it could wind up being one of the rare situations where a police officer goes to jail for something like this. And that ain't going to have a damn thing to do with the next time it happens. And so I just can't keep treating everyone like it's the one because it's about to be another one. And I, that doesn't mean I'm de like detached on the issue or that I'm checking out or that I think that people should not be vigilant because I think that there's something to that. And if what you're doing is you in this to fight, then you should absolutely go in there and fight. But protect yourself. Like protect your sanity, protect your well-being in the course of doing these things. Like I think it's very important that that be done, that you that you look out for you in this. I've said this many years ago when these things happen. I'm like, do not let them exploit your righteous anger. Do not let them exploit your outrage. And I feel like I'm looking up and I'm seeing in a lot of turns, man, that that's exactly what's happening. Some some of the people who are expressing outrage right next to you are exploiting your outrage at the same time. You know, like these, like people like this, this is a this is a delicate time for people, man. People are going through some real stuff. It's really tricky. It's really difficult right now. And you got to protect yourself. You got to, you know, and there's different calculus that everybody's got to do about what they can affect and how they can be effective and, you know, what's useful to them or whatever it is. And I'm never going to tell you to stop caring because I was never going to get to a point myself where I stopped caring. I'm not going to do that. But what being mad, like, if you're putting yourself in positions to be mad, like, like really, what is it doing for you? 
or more importantly, what is it doing to you? There's nothing, nothing noble about being angry. It can be understandable. It can be defensible. It can be relatable. But there is never anything good about being angry. Angry. There is no nobility in it whatsoever. And so where it is within your control, allow yourself to deal with and to process whatever that anger is, but allow yourself to let go of that which you can. Whatever you got to do it, how you do it, I'm not like I ain't no, I, I don't have answers for those kinds of things. And I don't know. I don't pretend like I'm trying to tell you how to live your life or anything like that. But I'm just telling I, I just I can just feel and sense in people generally that I feel like this is something that maybe some people need to be able to hear, which is, you know. It's OK to let some of it go. It is OK to protect yourself. But ladies and gentlemen. Thanks so much for joining us here on the Evening Jones. We try to do this thing about once a week. My man Lance Gilliam handles everything behind the scenes. Thank you, sir. Uh, remember, if you cannot watch the Evening Jones live, subscribe to the podcast. Subscribe to the iTunes store. Subscribe to Stitcher Radio. Check us out at SoundCloud. You can also find us at the Google Play Store. And I think I'll talk to you guys next week. Take it easy. <laughs>